Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to take a look at Mars's entrance into the sign of Cancer, um, which is happening over the weekend as we uh, come into the weekend. Uh, we've been focused, of course, on Pluto's entrance into Aquarius this week, which has been the big news. But another really big piece of news is that Mars has been in Gemini since last August and is finally leaving. And so as Mars leaves Gemini and moves into Cancer, what can we expect from this new Mars placement? Um, we're going to look at, you know, it's a little controversial. Mars in Cancer was traditionally said to be in its fall or depression. And so, you know, what's what makes this placement so difficult? That's one of the things we're going to sort of look at today. Um, and is it really difficult? What are the virtues or, you know, the blessings or even benefits of Mars into Cancer? So that is our, uh, that is our subject for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe and share your comments. You guys know it helps the channel to grow and I really appreciate your support in that way. You can always find transcripts of any of my daily talks on my website, which is nightlightastrology.com, including today's talk. Um, in the meantime, we are in the, you guys know that this week we are running a sale. So I want to take you over to the website and just give you a reminder of how you can take advantage of that. Um, so we get people that ask after the Kickstarter is done if they can still um, take advantage of the sale price. Maybe they missed the um, they missed the Kickstarter for one reason or another, and I always have to say no until we get you know enough requests where uh, it can justify doing a, a sale. We get the feeling that you know it would do well enough to uh, run a sale. So. Um, if you go over to my website, nightlightastrology.com, and you click on the courses page, and you click on any of the upcoming, any of my programs, the first year course or the second year course, horary, readings and passages, masterclass series, or roots and spheres. Uh, let's say we click on uh, the first year course. And um, let's see if I can get, there we go. Okay, so you go over to the first year course, and my first year program starts in June. You'll see me promoting it coming up starting in April. Um, but if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you're going to see the flash sale um, option here. And that is the Kickstarter rate, good again for one week. Uh, so the normal early bird payment is $12.99. This takes you know, a good $400 off from that. So it's a really good chance to save on any of my programs. And that's true for all of my programs. So if you, um, whoops. If you uh, go up to the top of the page and click on the courses tab and you go first year, second year, all the way down, um, you'll find that all of the courses have a sale price at the bottom where you can save um, significantly. Um, the first year course again starts in June, second year course starts in June. Um, the horary course also starts in June. We also have one year courses that start in November. So um, you can always take advantage of that. Uh, we will have a link up. It's not up yet as the time of I'm record at the time that I'm recording this. We will have a link up to our two and four class passes. Um, so the two class pass and the four class pass um, will be listed there. There'll be a link and um, it, you could find the link in the comments section. Uh, or the description of this video as well. If you want to pick up a two-class pass or a four-class pass, that gives you uh, even more savings if you bundle two or four classes together. So that'll be running until Monday the 27th until midnight. So hopefully you guys can take advantage of that. And I'm sure some of you already have this week. Uh, yeah, any questions about our classes, the schedules, what's included, or the sale, or anything, just email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. All right, 
Well, uh, we're going to put the real-time clock up now and take a look at Mars and Cancer. We're going to look at it from the standpoint of um, its entrance, uh, but also how long will it be there and what are some of the interesting features um, that this transit includes. So here we can see that Mars is moving in. Now, I, look at that. It, usually it's like a big fat line, but today it's, uh, it's a tiny line. All right, let's... All right, here we go. So there's Mars and Cancer moving in on Saturday, March 25th. And then um, we're gonna see that Mars and Cancer stay for quite a while until the late part of May. The one thing that's really interesting is we have some really big events in Aries, which is the sign of Mars that will be hosted by uh, Mars and Cancer. So here's the Sun-Jupiter conjunction, which is the sort of the reset moment of Jupiter's synodic cycle that is hosted by Mars and Cancer. So you're going to get a real Mars and Cancer flavor from some of the big transits in April. In other words, the other major transit in April that will also be hosted by um, by Mars and Cancer. Will, oops, I'm just struggling today with my little. Here we go. So the other major event will be the solar eclipse, and the solar eclipse is coming through on the 19th. So you can see uh, the sun and moon coming together at the last anoretic degree of Aries, pretty close to Jupiter. This solar eclipse is also hosted by Mars and Cancer. So Mars and Cancer is doing a lot of work um, with some of the transits in Aries uh, throughout the month of April, which makes it a little bit more interesting. We'll be talking about that uh, more in depth you know, in April as we come closer to those transits. Uh, Mars will then move along, and uh, one of an, another interesting transit will be the Mars trine to Neptune, which comes uh, right around the middle of May. This is May fifteenth, and then um, it finally enters uh, Leo right around May twentieth. So about two months worth of Mars in Cancer. Now, again, the, one of the reasons that this is such a big deal is that we have had Mars in Gemini since late August. So even just the the change of Mars energy should be felt, and I think it should be pretty nice. It's like, well, let's get a different Mars up in here. <laughs> you know, like we've we've spent so much time with Mars and Gemini. All right. So, um, <clears throat> what I want to do today is I want to talk about Mars and Cancer was traditionally said to be depressed or in its fall. And for ancient astro people who practice or study ancient astrology, um, the, the usually, usually Mars and Cancer is seen as a more difficult planet, as a more difficult planetary placement. Mars alone is already can be a, you know, was one of the two malefics, a, a sort of a troublemaker at times. Of course, it's a planet of war and conflict. Um, there's so many good things that come from Mars, though, like bravery and persistence, um, courage and conviction. Uh, sacrifice and honor. Those things are also like a knightly code that's related to Mars. And we all need that, whether it's a feminine warrior goddess archetype, or it's the, you know, the way that uh, the heroic masculine sort of functions when it's at its best. You know, Mars has some really good things to offer us as well. Mars and Cancer is a difficult placement. We have to try to understand why. So we're going to start off with just a little explanation about its dignity. And then we're going to go into uh, 10 ways in which Mars and Cancer troubles the waters. So um, first of all, the 
in the the original scheme of dignities, you have a very elaborate rationale for why planets are placed in certain signs and considered to be exalted in some and depressed in others. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is that um, Mars is said to be depressed in Cancer, but exalted in the polar opposite sign of Capricorn. Uh, one of the reasons for that is that you have um, a kind of dichotomy between the beginning of summer and the beginning of winter. And Mars is associated with um, death. And Mars was, whether it's the death given on the battlefield in sacrifice, uh, the death of a martyr for a cause, the death of a mother for its child. I mean, it could be a very honorable form of death. It doesn't have to be just malicious and terrible and scary. Death as the exiting of the soul from the body. Mars is connected with severing and, and cutting. And so when you have Mars placed in Capricorn exalted, it's there next to Saturn, whose domicile uh, is uh, in the sign of Capricorn. Um, but you have it there in a sense because this was called the, the Capricorn is called the gateway of the gods and the severing of the spirit or soul from the body and the lifting up or exiting of the soul from the body. That's a it's a Marsy kind of space. Uh, if you think about it from the standpoint of death as a severing or a cutting of the cord between body and spirit or soul, you also have the idea of transcendence and enlightenment and victory over our mortal frame and material, you know, fallenness or something like that. And you don't have to take that literally. It's just kind of a myth, um, an archetypal um, way in which we can understand Mars as victorious in the end over, over death itself, over the mortal condition. And so Mars is heroic in a spiritual sense and placed in Capricorn called the gateway of the gods, place associated with the beginning of winter and the transmission of the, the, the letting go of the spirit from the body, which is really interesting. On the other hand, when you have um, cancer called the gateway of mankind, it was associated with the birth, the coming of the spirit into the body. And in that place, Mars is, is in its fall. It's not a comfortable place for Mars to hang out in the domicile of the moon and the exaltation of Jupiter, a water sign in the midst of the light. Um, Mars is a little bit more in that sense, like maybe you could imagine Mars in Cancer as like the cutting of the umbilical cord. That's kind of an interesting Mars in Cancer um, image. But usually it's kind of like, do you want Mars around things that are really about symbiosis and that are about like Jupiter exalted in the sign of Cancer, the place of birth and a place associated with mothers and um, the fostering of emotional bonds and the concern over emotional safety and security. Mars in that environment, you have some things that we'll talk about today that can be really nice about Mars in that environment. For example, emotional advocate, advocacy, protection, the kind of mama bear archetype. So there's a real protective guardian of the family of the home and hearth kind of thing with Mars and Cancer, which is actually one of my favorite parts about Mars and Cancer. But um, you also, it's a difficult place for Mars because it's, Mars is more threatening to life and symbiosis and emotional safety and so on and so forth. And so you have an environment that's just more challenging for Mars to find its, to, to be itself in. And that's kind of what dignities are all about. It's like, well, it's, it's not like this planet is good or bad, but in this environment, eh, the planet's a little bit harder for it to just like be itself. It's kind of like having your, you know, like your, your, um, you know, if you have like a relative who's just like a Viking <laughs> and I'm thinking of like, a, you know, just like a 
one of the you know one of those ruffian figures from the show vikings i don't know if you guys have watched that tv show you can imagine like having someone like that in the room while you're breastfeeding or something <laughs> you know it's kind of like we're, we're just trying to be calm here you know that person's like you know smashing things over their face so the point is that it's it is a challenging environment because the sign of cancer exaltation of jupiter place of the moon water sign feminine not so it's not super hospitable to mars and um it's not a good match for Mars. And so Mars can be a little bit more destructive in this sign. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, for example, Mars and cancer is famously associated uh, with domestic abuse. Um, <clears throat> but on the other hand, um, you put Mars in Capricorn uh, and a, a place of Saturn and earth sign um, also feminine and uh, a place, but a place associated with uh, winter and death and the overcoming of hard things, including death, uh, and Mars just performs wonderfully in, in Capricorn, right? So the dignities are really, uh, they work like that. And never should you understand a dignity as just like outright condemning a planet, okay? So, all right, moving on. So how can we understand Mars and its depression and cancer in terms of what to watch for uh, between now and say the end of May? And knowing that these themes are also gonna be fueling our eclipse in April, which we'll get to in April, we'll dig into that a little bit more. But so how does how does, Mars and Cancer trouble the waters. Number one would be conflict in the family. It is that simple. Whether it's domestic abuse, alcoholism, um, a super troubled or needy parent or sibling, um, it is it is the one of the most predictable. Saturn and Cancer and Mars and Cancer both will often show up as really troubling patterns within the family that have to be looked at or explored. Um, so dynamic conflict and tension uh, in, in the family, usually with a, a strong sense of emotional history, um, ancestral trauma behind it. That's one of the main ways that Mars and Cancer will show up. And we will all be dealing with that in one way or another, potentially over the next two months. So just family drama. Number two will be, and that's the combination of Mars in the sign of the moon in this watery sign of cancer, which among other things is associated with families, emotional blowouts. So if you aren't careful while Mars is in cancer, the overflow of emotions can come out and be very destructive. So you have to be careful of like there, you know, you may think that there's a pot on the back burner that's just simmering, but the, the heat's on full flame and you may not know that. So be careful because things have a way of sort of blowing up. Um, especially things that you're trying to hold in or that have a long history behind them. Um, number three would be passive aggressiveness. Um, it's, it's not the most direct place for Mars to express itself. So you have, <clears throat> do you like my moose mug? I got this from my wife. So uh, you can, it's, it's funny how Mars and Cancer like the crab that walks sideways, you know, that's scuttling around. Uh, Mars does not take a direct path, and which might be emotional tact, emotional intelligence when it comes to, you know, picking and choosing your fights or battles. And that can be a gift of Mars and Cancer, can be like the way that emotional intelligence works when it comes to conflict or tension or handling those things. There can be some emotional intelligence on board to handle a conflict. Hey, that's a benefit. So we don't have to look at it all as, as totally negative, right? But passive aggressiveness would be one, you know, just one thing to watch for. Um, so, <clears throat> all right. 
So that would be number three. Number four is Civil War. Now, um, like, okay, this is just, this is classic. Um, every time Mars is in Cancer, I feel like I will visit with at least a few people who are having major struggles with neighbors or roommates, um, you know, or people that you share a living or communal situation with, even if they're like, you don't know them, but they're in the same neighborhood. Um, and of course, Mars and Cancer can could be used as a timer for different conflicts between rival or opposing groups, politically, ideologically, culturally. Um, you can see people that are just more, it's like a Hatfield's McCoy's thing, which I actually brought up last summer when we had some drama in the sign of cancer as well. Um, and when we, by the way, we had some drama in the sign of cancer last summer and we had neighbors that were just awful to us because we were in the process of building the community herbal medicine garden. So, and they were just like super, super mean. Uh, anyway, and that was like, it was just interesting because I had, I had actually said, well, we could see a little bit of drama. Um, you know, the exact, the Hatfield McCoy thing was something I referenced at that time. And then that ended up happening. I thought that was really interesting. Not, not interesting to, well, I guess it keeps it interesting when you're experiencing something that's kind of shitty, but so civil war, um, if you think about Romeo and Juliet and you think about the battling families of the, um, oh my God, what were their names? The, oh, why am I forgetting this? The Capulets and the Montagues. Is that right? Tell me if I got that right. So it'd be like that warring families. Um, and, and honestly, like ethnic and racial tension can uh, spill over while Mars is in cancer because you have, you have something like families and, and loyalties to, to blood and things that are original, you know, like your birth and your, your, this color of your skin and where you come from in the world and uh, clashes that are rooted in those kinds of origins or roots can, can come up. Um, anyway, number five would be neediness. The person that the now I, this doesn't I don't mean neediness sounds awful right away, but some le legitimate needs can also come up in ways that are very intense. For example, a family member, I don't know, breaks their foot and has to come live with your mom. You know, she lives on her own. She breaks her foot. She has to come live with you because she can't get around her house on her own. Suddenly it's like you're happy that she's there. But boy, is it a pain in the ass for a month? You, you know what I mean? So the, the needy, and this can be, but it's, this can be not so benign either. You can have people that will try to sabotage every last thing you do as a way of trying to assert their need and, well, don't do anything on your own. I, I can't be alone, like codependence and, and emotional manipulation and coercion emotionally and the, the, the archetype of the, you know, the dark mother, it can be very Mars and Cancer. Um, the similar placement Mars and Cancer is Moon and Pluto. If you know that placement, um, it, there's a similar vibe with Mars and Cancer at times. So the devouring or the smothering figure emotionally, whether that's a mom or, or whatever else, mom is sort of stereotypical, you get what I'm saying though. Number six would be defending or advocating. Uh, this is my favorite part about Mars and Cancer is that Mars and Cancer will often show up and be ready to defend or to advocate for someone or something. Say, I'm standing up for you. I'm, I'm advocating for you. I care about people emotionally, especially things like the environment, women, children, the family, the home, the land, um, the family pride, the group, uh, the, the group that has a sense of emotional or family-like quality to it and, and standing up or fighting on behalf of it. So 
defending or advocating the mama bear archetype is my that's my favorite part about mars and cancer it's really really good at saying don't mess with what i love you know um number seven is emotional division now this can all often take place within ourselves <clears throat> uh so for example oops let's get the camera back here there we go <clears throat> for example uh, you may feel divided about your emotional loyalties within yourself. Feel emo you know devoted to this. I feel devoted to that, and it can go back and forth. Um, so, any time that there is a state of feeling divided and torn apart over different kinds of emotional needs or wants or um, feelings of lo loyalty and the feeling of conflict about them can come up within us, um, and. What I like about that, actually, even though that's not like fun to to deal with, per, you know, per se, is that um, it can help us. Mars and Cancer can help us prioritize our our loyalties and also learn to that we. It can. I feel like every time Mars is in Cancer, I end up learning that I can care about more than one thing at once, and things that appear like, well, if you care about this, you have to be angry at that, or if you care about this, then you have to automatically dislike. This, this person or something like that, that Mars and Cancer will often teach me that it's okay to have different loyalties and different investments emotionally in different people and places and things. And I don't have to pit one against the other. You know, it's like, um, there, it's almost like you can compartment, the, the desire is almost like all of, I, I should, Mars and Cancer can place this pressure on you. Like I should, um, I should be a totally unified front, clear emotional loyalties all defined. But some, we're not that simple, are we? I mean, there's, it's like on the one hand, um, I like this, but I don't like this. And most of us can't perfectly organize um, our, our, our conflicted feelings. We can't like co coordinate all of the different voices inside of us that have different needs and wants and dislikes and, and things like that. And so sort of learning to live with a little bit of emotional chaos and, and um, uncoordinated feelings. Um, that's There's something about this placement that teaches me always that like the mess inside of you is okay. You don't need to do anything with it necessarily. And sometimes... It's also very clarifying in terms of what's helping me and what's not with, especially with conflicted feelings. Anyway, number eight would be weakening the masculine, or you could just call it the yang, because I think it's something that exists within all of us. Mars in cancer will be one of the placements associated with, you know, um, impotency or erectile dysfunction or um, men who are like the, the picture of a man lactating or something like that. Um, or gynecomastia, you know, the the man man boobs. These these kinds of images are usually in the negative, right? They're it's usually like, oh, he's femi or something, you know, and and that'll be like an insult to to a man. But I think um, the opposite of any kind of masculine thing that becomes weakened. For example, the image of like a what's the phrase a a henpecked husband? I'm, I'm sure that's not a that's not a nice phrase, but like. The, the stereotype of someone who's a nice guy, but maybe a pushover and he's got a wife that's always like beating up on him. Of course, believe me when I say that Mars and cancer can represent domestic abuse in, in any direction, right? But um, 
but the 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 potential to feel like the masculine is being um you know sort of beat down or pushed into submissive or that it's like over being overly passive for example when you need to be more assertive and again don't think if, if masculine is a problematic word for you i would just replace it with yang you know like the young part of you is being kind of beat down and weakened somehow. That's a, that's a real part of what Mars and cancer can represent. Um, all right. So anyway, that's, that's one of the archetypes, but oddly, you know, um, there's, well, I'll get to that in a second. Number nine would be softening aggression. Now this is a real benefit. Let's say that you, on the other hand, you have an overly active and, and do, sort of domineering Mars or put differently you have an overly aggressive personality. One benefit of Mars and Cancer, again, that I mentioned earlier, is the emotional intelligence to use Mars differently so that aggression becomes softer. And this is actually a benefit. If you have the masculine sort of or the yang sort of run amok, then Mars and Cancer can actually sort of soften and bring it into a more relationally aware place. And that could be a benefit. Uh, and then number 10, and I mentioned earlier weakening the masculine, but the other thing that's really interesting is you have some, I think it was Michael Phelps who has Mars in cancer. I can't remember that off the top of my head. Someone check that and, and tell me, I'm pretty sure Michael Phelps had, had Mars in cancer, but anyway, anything that it, like competitive swimming is such a Mars in cancer kind of thing. Uh, the Navy and uh, battles on the ocean and Navy seals. And so Mars in cancer can also represent things that are very I guess quintessentially masculine or competitive, um, warlike, but that are just involving water, which is you know just kind of like so literal. But yeah, there it is. So these are some of the ways that Mars and Cancer tends to show up. Um, I hope that this prepares you for two months of this placement. We'll take a look at how Mars and Cancer will show up and express itself within the eclipse and the big Sun-Jupiter conjunction in April. Those will be um, toned by Mars and Cancer as well. So that should make those eclipses pretty interesting. Uh, that eclipse pretty interesting. Um, that's what I've got for today. I hope you guys are going to have a great weekend. Uh, don't forget that you can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. And don't forget that you have a couple more days until Monday to take advantage of the flash sale, um, which is running on the website for all of my courses. You get a big, big discount on all of those programs. Um, until Monday night at midnight. So hopefully you will take advantage of that. If you have any questions about our programs or the sale, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. You can also find the link in the comments section to get over there. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.